0: Before you spank, whoop, beat, cuss out your child, just consider an alternative method.
1: Welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast that gives you news you can trust for the culture. I'm your co-host, Jaron Keith Gaynor, managing editor at The Grio,
0: And I'm your co-host, Shauna Penix, social media director at The Grio. And this week we're asking, Dear Culture, are spankings necessary? Now, before y'all even go into it, just think about it. If you grew up in a household where spankings were the only form of discipline, how does that affect you as an adult? Let's get into the show.
1: So, Shauna, before we dive into this week's topic, what's on your mind this week?
0: Uh, I think what has been on my mind this week has been uh, the absolute drain that is being black in America, uh, as we have yet. Another black man to have to add to the, you know, list of black folks who have been killed um, by overzealous, really quite frankly racist police and that is for Dante Wright, um, a 20 year old uh, young black man in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. I don't know, Minnesota folks. I don't know what what your situation is in terms of geography, but I just know that it happened not too far away from where uh, the trial of Derek Chauvin, the officer who is accused of murdering um, George Floyd is taking place. Just earlier this week, we had uh, the press conference from the police chief who essentially said that the reason for Dante this 20 year old, this father of a two year old, he was getting pulled over because he had air fresheners in the car, which to me, I call BS on that first and foremost. No, it wasn't about air fresheners. It was about profiling yet another black person. Let's, let's be very clear about that. But inevitably what ends up happening is you hear the officer, you hear one of the officers, a white woman by the name of Kim Potter, uh, who is apparently a 26 year veteran in the police force, 26 years. She's not a rookie, she's not brand new. This didn't even seem like a really uh, a panicky type of situation that would require you know, escalation at any point in time. So 26 years and you hear Kim in the background saying, taser, taser, taser. And for some reason, she does not Grab for her taser, she actually, according to the police chief, and I'm using air quotes here, accidentally fired her handgun, her loaded handgun instead. Now, what you're not about to do is sit up here and tell me that you, a 26 year veteran, you have no idea how those two different things feel and you shoot this man? Are you kidding me? That doesn't make sense. Tasers don't even tasers come in these bright ass colors for the purpose of distinguishing that it's not the same thing as an actual weapon there's no possible way and for that police chief to come out and say oh it was an accident to me again i call bs that's it no 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 and this is why uh, shout out to, and I've, I've done this before, shout out to the podcast, The Read, especially Crystal, who, you know, gave me the, the wonderful saying, words mean things. Yeah. And I say that because let's, I, I, I want to give the technical definition of the word accident. An accident is defined as an unfortunate incident that happens unexpectedly and unintentionally, unintentionally, typically resulting in damage or injury right? An event that happens by chance or that is without apparent or deliberate cause. The cause was you shouldn't be a cop if you don't know the difference between a taser and a gun. The cause was what the hell are you panicking for? Where was he gonna go? So no, let's not call that uh, an accident. No, 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 no. Me spilling milk is an accident. It could have been a mistake, an action or judgment that is misguided or wrong. You were misguided and wrong the moment you pulled him over you were misguided and wrong the moment you were out here escalating BS on oh yeah he got a, he has an arrest warrant, which I believe there's a white man I think it was on uh, baller Alerts Instagram page last night that was showing oh no 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 that the reason why there was even an arrest warrant is because the si- the state of many of, of Minnesota sent the notice to the wrong address. And so therefore he never received it to pay a ticket, mind you. Never received it. And so therefore they sent out a a, a warrant for his arrest. This is draining to watch his his mother and his father, you know, and I I felt so much for his mom, Katie, Katie Wright, a, a white woman who, you know, had to live with the fear that her black child, her black son, could be a victim. Of BS like this, and it's exactly what happened. I feel for his his father. I feel for his aunt. And I, uh, I believe her name is Naisha right? And I say this as a person who has three nephews. Um, I have an older brother. I have a dad. I have you know my uncles. I have my best friends' kids. Like their sons are my sons. I can't possibly imagine what these people are feeling. But what I do know is, is that it it is so disrespectful. No, you don't get to have an accident as a cop. You don't, I'm sorry, you don't. This is a job you signed up for. Cops should be allowed to panic. Excuse me, if cops should be allowed to panic, then what the hell are they there for? Then all they are is just regular degular people, untrained, walking around like it's the wild, wild west. What do you think, G?
1: Um, I, I'm exhausted um, because this just keeps happening. And it is very clear uh, to us that this is a crisis. This is, a, this is an epidemic in America. And when these things happen, obviously as a black person, I'm, I'm just really um, broken down. Um, I also wanna mention that uh, officer Kim Potter has resigned while we have been recording this episode, she has since resigned. But this also brings to question, what do we do? How does America address this policing issue? Because there are going to be more Dante rights, unfortunately, because there there are laws that protect officers still. And even though we have a trial currently with Derek Chauvin who may be found guilty in the murder of George Floyd, there are many officers who have before him got let off, who have not even been charged, and there may possibly be more officers who will uh, get, all, get away scot-free. And I'm a person about solution, and I think it's really important for uh, activists, for communities, for politicians to really get this uh, George Floyd Policing Act passed in Congress. Um, because it's important because it it, it is a, a very expansive piece of legislation but one part of it that's really important that people need to know is that it will it would make it easier to prosecute an officer involved in a killing of any person but in our from our vantage point black people and it would turn language like uh, an officer being willful in a, the act of killing a, a person to being reckless and just the language alone would just change um, the, the, the ways in which we can hold police accountable. Um, but it's also a community issue. It's a community versus police issue that's been going on for a very long time. I am the son of a retired police officer. I know what it feels like to uh, have my mother go out in the streets to patrol and not know if she's going to come back home safe. I understand and that some police officers feel unsafe doing their jobs. It is not an easy job. It is a dangerous job. But it's also more dangerous to be Black in America. And I just feel for Katie Wright uh, and her husband and, and all mothers and fathers who have to trust that their child's going to come back home. And you really don't know if they're going to come back home. And that fear, you know, she just got that car. She had just bought that car for... For Dante Wright, and that very car that he was driving to go to a car wash uh, was the thing that caused him to be pulled over. And I know I have a I have a, a an aunt who my cousin passed away in a car accident. A very different situation, but she there was so much trauma around uh, guilt around buying that car. She felt like if I gave him the car, he would still be alive. And these are the things that parents often go through, they're like, well. What if I if I don't say anything? What could happen if I don't prevent it? Can I prevent this from happening? And the reality is that black mothers and fathers and 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 even white parents of black children they can't they don't have the power to control what happens to their child when they walk out that door, and Mm -hmm. so it's 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 exhausting. It really truly is. And the only way that we can change this is through policy, and obviously changing the ways in which communities, uh, the way police interact with communities. And like former President Barack Obama said today, we have to reimagine policing in America. And so it's going to require a lot of work. It may take, it will take years to undo the system that is law enforcement, because they move like a fraternity and not as a group of people who are to protect communities. You're supposed to serve and protect. But unfortunately, uh, because you're, you're civil service, you're paid by tax dollars, by, by the very community that you police, they're paying your, 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 your salary. And yet they, they come into communities with this idea that they are of authority, that they have power over the community, and that it's their job to put the community in their place. And until we undo that that thinking, we will continue to see more of these situations happen. And it's really important that President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris really, really put their foot in Republican leadership in Congress, because it's for, it's white men in, in Congress who are the reason why there's such a holdup on on reforming police in America, and the reason why this George Floyd Policing Act will not be passed. And so my my message to everyone is to don't get complacent that even even though it hurts and even though it's it makes you angry we have to continue to push forward and we have to continue to hold our politicians and our uh police uh leadership accountable you know i I mentioned you know the fear that parents often feel about their child going out the door and i think it there's a connection uh in our discussion today about reprimanding our children and The reality is that figuring out the best way to discipline your child can be difficult. Some parents feel that talking to their children isn't always effective and resort to spankings. While some believe that spanking isn't harmful, spanking continues to be a contentious debate. A 2018 article in Psychology Today found that spanking has been linked to increases in negative behaviors, such as physical aggression, and is said to lead to more mental health problems, lower self-esteem, cognitive difficulties, and more negative relationships between children and their parents. So that begs the question, is spanking truly the answer? Let's get into it.
0: Um, so I think first and foremost, there's a couple of things that we should definitely address right so the first one is i myself shauna and jaren we are not parents and you know what that's fine um i actually find myself i i i and, and jaren we are adamant supporters of not spanking children particularly little black and brown kids um and i have found myself so frustrated with people who like to tell me and I've had this from like my own family members and friends and uh, et cetera, who are like, well, until you have kids, you can't really, you don't know what, how kids will frustrate you, how, you know, how they'll push your buttons and blah, 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 all of this stuff. No, we do not have children. However, what we do have are childhoods. Okay. We remember that, sh- that ish. Okay. <laughs> we remember. Um, and I, I, I've seen what I've had to go through. I've seen what my, you know, my friends and family and parents and relatives, et cetera, et cetera, I've had to go to, have, have had to go through. So to the parents, first and foremost, I just want to say what you're not about to do is discount our experiences and discount what we have to say. All right, let's, let's go ahead and put that to bed. One, two, I think we would be remiss if we did not discuss the historical and cultural context of whoopings, beatings, spankings, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, as it relates to the, to the Black community. I know that, you know, there's obviously, there's the historical connection to uh, enslavement, yes, Um, but there's also this idea, and I know this is something that was definitely happening when my parents were coming up, and I know because they talk about it, and they talk about it in like a traumatic way, but they don't recognize it as trauma, which is, we'll get into it. Uh, But, you know, the idea of your parents saying, no, I have to hit you, I have to discipline you in this way because if I don't, then I'm setting you up for failure when your black body goes outside of these doors and you have to encounter white people and police and, you know, all of these things. Um I've I know that there are countless people who are like I have to be tough on my kids because and almost I mean when you really think about it rob your child of innocence in my sense um you know because the world is going to be so cruel to them. You're trying to prepare them. You're trying to you know save them from prison, save them from police killing them, save them from jail, you know all all of these things. I I I I'm not going to say I understand it, <laughs> but I do empathize um, with that. Uh, so I think there's definitely an opportunity for us to, you know, discuss like, is there ever a time where a spanking is warranted? Um, gee, I'll let you answer that question first before I even give you my spiel. <laughs>
1: uh, like you said at the top of this segment, you know, we both are very anti-spanking. Uh, and so personally, no, I don't think there's ever a reason to, uh, a legitimate reason to spank a child. Um, but I do, I do get why it's done, you know, I think, but I think ultimately it's one to your point about the historical connection, you know, we cannot discount and the, the parallels to a slave master to keep control of, of in, an enslaved person to, and, made, and they made it a spectacle too and they would, they would make them get the whip, tie them down and whip them. And to show everyone that this is what happens when you do not respect authority. And you cannot tell me that in black and brown communities, when we send our children to get the switch, to, to pick their own poison, that they are also you know, reprimanded uh, because they did something wrong, and this is what happens when you do not listen to authority. In this case, the authority being the parent. Um, ultimately, I think that you know, in addition to that historical connection, I think that Black parents are are under a lot of stress. Have always been under a lot of stress. To be Black, to live in a Black body in America is to be to and forever be in a place of stress, and unfortunately. Uh, I think parents uh, take out their frustrations and their pain on their children and they don't even realize it. They think they're doing it to protect their child. We hear the saying, it hurts me more than it hurts you. That's a lie. That's not hurting you more than it hurts me, one. I also feel like parents, you know, they have, I think about uh, a single mom who maybe works two or three jobs. She's stressed out at work. She has to deal with racism. She has to deal with sexism. And then she comes home, and her child—you know—a child's a child. Children are are are—you know—a lot. They're bouncing off the walls. Um, they're doing something that you told them not to do. And I can I can see a person a, a, a person coming from a, a stressful environment at work in the world of America, coming into their home and like and and just breaking and snapping, and then and hitting the child. And I remember reading um, all about love by Bell Hooks and that was a book that really just changed my life because there were two things in my life that have been transformative that was one realizing that i could be gay and still have the grace of god and and two that love didn't have to hurt and so much of that book but it really opened my eyes to the idea that love is love violence is violence you can love cannot equal violence and violence cannot equal love and so inflicting violence on your child is not an act of love and no matter what a parent tries to convince themselves that is just not the case and you know imagine when you were a child i remember being a child and life is innocent. life is so innocent when you're a child your your only uh perception of life is to enjoy life to love uh to to to, to, to enjoy life and then you, then you imagine like coming coming into the world and and, and life is, is safe or so you think it is. And then the person who, who reared you uh, is hitting you, what, however they're hitting you. That starts to create this distorted like uh, psychology for children because what was once a safe environment becomes very dangerous. So not just the danger that happens when the child goes outside, potentially when they're like a teenager or whatever, Uh, the violence against police but there are children who are experiencing violence within the home and you know i just really i'm an advocate for unlearning these really dangerous um behaviors and patterns in terms of spanking because i believe that there are alternatives to spanking and there's i just don't, don't believe there's ever a reason to to inflict physical harm on your child you know let's call it what it is i think that if we say spanking whipping you know, for whatever reason, to some people that sounds acceptable. But if you call it what it actually is, physical abuse, um, I think that kind of changes the narrative.
0: Yeah, Um, I think, you know, I love the fact that you even brought up bell hooks and, you know, violence is violence and love is love because I think people really don't understand the concept of like, do you realize that you're setting your child up for having violent relationships in the future? And when I say that, I mean, if you let's say I'm raising a little girl, and I am beating her ass, <laughs> you know, whenever she gets out of line, out of pocket, whatever, whatever, and but I'm I am telling her that I'm communicating to her that I'm doing this because I love you, because I want you to be on the straight and narrow and do blah blah blah. How does that not equate to or and and really and you might not even notice that it that it's happening but you have planted the seed that violence and love are intertwined. And, you know, if you see now 10, 15, 20 years later, here's your, your little girl in an abusive relation, in a physically abusive relationship with, you know, a man or her partner or whoever that is, can you really, you know, can you really say, uh, nah, that's not, that's not what it is. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's also the idea of something that, I haven't seen it, let me knock on wood, but I haven't seen it as much lately, but I know that there was this really weird, like two year span where black parents were embarrassing their children online. So like, you know, here's a little girl talking to somebody and, but you know, or an adult or anything like that, or really, you know, predatory ass men um, or, you know, your son is just out here acting up, blah, blah. And you're whooping that child and then placing it into a viral video for the world to see. That is another form of abuse. Because, and, and matter of fact, you're probably taking it even a step further because why does your child have to be embarrassed alongside with that? And if you don't even recognize that that in, an, in and of itself has the context and the root in slavery where you are making a spectacle out of physically punishing someone a child kind of nuts to me um but I'm really glad that you talked about you know like beating or <laughs> spanking alternatives Jaren um I think for me it's always been and I'm not gonna lie you know there have been certain times where I've seen like a little kid usually one of my little cousins or something like that who was acting up and then they got you know they got that ass stepped and I chuckled I'm not gonna lie I'm not gonna lie, sometimes it was funny to me <laughs> because I'm like, that's what your little self gets. However, we have to then, as I've grown and have gone to therapy, you know we're gonna say it every episode y'all, y'all need to be in therapy as we've grown. One thing that I've learned is there is an abuse of power dynamic when an adult is putting their hands on a child, your hands, your weapons, anything of that nature. There's an abusive power dynamic, and what's actually funny is where I even started to understand the concept was actually like Princess Diana. This is going to be so random, but princess, so so random. Princess Diana. Um, if you have ever seen pictures of Princess Diana when she's talking to children, she always bends. She always, she was always bending down to give children eye contact, right? And I was like, what? Well, what is that about? And I said, you know what? that actually is, you're putting yourself on the same level, on the same eye level as that child, because me standing up at tall, mind you, I'm five foot three, I'm not that much taller, blah, blah, blah you know, whatever. But here I am with a little three or four year old, I don't wanna look down on you and here you are looking up at me. You're already physically creating this pipe, this power dynamic. When you think about, you know, the same thing in terms of children, right? Me. How can I say as a person who you didn't ask to be in this world, you did not request it at all. I got my shaboing boing on and here you are and now here I am, you know, responsible for you. People say so 18, but really for the rest of your life, I'm responsible to make sure that you live, grow, breathe. I can't, I mean, to put it quite frankly, there are, Adults who don't even know how to verbalize their feelings. I know for me, when I'm hangry, if I'm if I haven't eaten, and Jerry, you've been on you actually you haven't been on the receiving end of this, but you've seen me <laughs> how I've reacted to other people. I'm attitudinal. You may we may as well just fight, and this only be, that's merely because I'm I'm hungry. That is it. There are times when I really don't know how I feel. I got to sit here and write it out and think it out. How are you as an adult when you can barely verbalize your own ish expecting a 13, 14 15 16 year old with hormones how are you expecting them to verbalize what they're feeling what they're thinking the anxiety the what you know the frustration they don't know about that I'm not whooping on some little child for what like for what I there's awesome matter of fact this is really great thread uh, that we had posted. Um, to our Instagram page just very recently about a, a mom who I believe she is a, I believe she's a therapist um, who, let me see if I can find, yeah, here we go. Her name is uh, Dr. Che Ed on um, Instagram as well as Twitter. That's D-R-C-H-A-E-E-D. But you can also catch this on the Instagram, on the the Griot's Instagram page where she was talking about, you know, her six-year-old was getting a little snappy with her, a little, a little attitudinal. And instead of automatically resorting to, all right, you know, I'm gonna beat this little girl's <laughs> for talking to me crazy. She asked her, like, yo, what's going on? Like, why are you being unkind to me? What happened? And her daughter is just like, yo, you know, I don't know. Like, sometimes I just, I feel unhappy and my brain is telling me to be rude. And she had to sit and, you know, really like talk it through with her child about how she was feeling, about like, it's okay to have those feelings. It's not okay to be rude to mommy, but it's okay to have those feelings. Let's figure out where can we redirect this energy? Where can you get this energy out that you're feeling like in whatever bad mood that you're in? Um, so I believe in that. My first and foremost thing, I'm I'm a writer at heart. I was an English major at Spelman. So I'm a firm believer in like, that's my and my idea that's my alternative to 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 whooping you gonna write it out listen my child might just hate writing (laughs) the time when I'm done it's something that I do with my niece and my nephews I'm like no you're gonna write me an essay about why you feel what you feel why you did what you did and then we'll we'll actually discuss it you know what I mean Um, and then I mean and and the other alternative that I have I should preface this by saying Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated is a non-hazing organization. However, I did pledge. So I, (laughs) you know, and with that being said, like, no, I'm not, I'm not about to sit here and whoop you. For what? First off, that's exerting my energy. For what? What? No. You know what you can do? You can do these wall sits. You can run these suicides. You can do them, them, them hill climbers. Like that, I want the mountain climbers. I want to see you do those. Tire yourself out. And then, you know, you can decide whether or not if you want to be sassy with me later, but I'm not going to hit you for what? What do you think, G?
1: <laughs> well, there are going to be, yeah, I agree. I think the alternative is talking to your child like a mini adult. I think that the problem is that we, uh, we just don't see children as, as human beings and they need, to, they need to understand why you're upset. They need to understand why something is dangerous. Use your words, use your head. You don't have to use a belt. to to communicate to a child. In fact, it's not communication. What it communicates is that I should fear you. And there are going to be people who are going to say, well, I was whooped and I turned out just fine. (laughs) Did you? (laughs) I I was a pretty good child. So I wasn't like beat that much, but my dad whooped me at least three times in my lifetime. And all of them were very traumatic and i developed a very complicated relationship with my dad not just because also because of my sexuality and all, all that came with that but also because being whooped and being yelled at made me fear my dad so when i wanted to, when i had a bad grade i hid i hid things because i didn't want to uh, experience the wrath of the wrath of my father and so you might think you turned out okay but you more than likely have a a complicated relationship with your with your parents, and it also like to your point earlier, it distorts the way you show up in any relationship, friendships, relationships, especially because the a child parent relationship is the most crucial, most important relationship there is because that is where you learn to love or not to love. That is how you learn what love is or what love isn't, and if you are Spent uh, in a, in a, in, a, in your household, you grow up because you're not going to love your parents less because your your parent hit you. I mean, there are studies that show that parent that children who are abused, who are abandoned, they still yearn for the love or acceptance of their parents. And so, what it does is that it 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 communicates this idea that to uh, if if I'm hit, if my man hits me, um, that. It's okay because he still loves me. That love can still coexist with violence, and that is why I believe we have so many people in abusive relationships uh, who feel like they can endure it because, because they saw similar you know, in their household. Um, but violence isn't just physical. You know, there's also verbal violence. And you know, to to my point earlier about you know I had that relationship with my father. It was like I, you have to use your words and. So many times, I'm, I'm, I remember before COVID, being on uh, the train, for example, and you see the stark differences in the way that white parents are with their children and parents are with their children. Now, white people are hella problematic, but there are probably two things I would say we can learn from white people. One being that even though they need some seasoning, they learned that you know you need to watch the salt intake and you, know, you gotta be careful about how much you put into your food. <laughs> thing is how to raise a child and talk to a child like they are a human being. And so oftentimes I see Black parents never communicating with their children. They just yell at them. They just, you know, they're on the, they're on the train like, mommy, uh, why, why does that look that way? Shut up, be quiet, you know? And it's like all this anger. And we know that that anger, again, is not really about the child. The anger is about whatever's going on for the parent. And so even verbally, you can have, verbal abuse can have a long impacting, uh, have a long impact on the development of a child and how they show up in the world. I was a very quiet child. I was a very creative, so I drew and I sang, and I was, you know, I was always in my own little world. Um, and I truly do believe that the, the way that my dad communicated with me made me fearful of people. And so when I went out, went out, went out into the world, I didn't know how to interact. I didn't know how to handle conflict uh, because if there was conflict, it would just trigger me and make me think about being yelled at by my father. Uh, so that caused me to to just withdraw. I just go into a shell. And I, I really do believe that it's directly connected to the physical abuse and spanking and the verbal abuse. And you know, my dad was under a lot of stress. He was trying to raise, you know, raise two kids. He had two other kids outside the house. You know, he's trying to, you know, Provide for his family. Um, the, the financial stress, financial stress alone can cause a lot of can cause a lot on the psyche for an adult. Um, and so, it's also not just physical; it's verbal. And so, we have to look at children as 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 full human beings. Because when you really think about it, children are almost the only uh, I don't know how to describe it class of people that are not really protected. You know, we like. A child under the age of 18 is just considered to be the property of a parent. And we, we, I think that we have to see children as, as people and not, not property. And you know, the, the law, I mean, we have laws that you know, against abuse, but the reality is that these things are happening in silos. Like children are being abused every single day and, and the government and agencies set up to protect them don't know. And that's because parents hold a lot of authority and there's no one advocating speaking up for children. You know, I, 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 people might, you know, rag me for this, but uh, Marianne Williamson who ran for president uh, last year, you know, sh- people said what they said about her policies, but I remember her uh, presenting the idea of having a department of children and youth. Uh, and I thought that her points on that were very, um, were very uh, effective or can be effective because I think we need to start thinking about children as that's like the that's that's the, the root of all evil starts in the home, and we really have to start you know seeing children as as future adults and make them an actual participant in in the home, and so I think that to this point about, we talked about law enforcement and the idea of authority and like exerting authority. I think that to, to some degree, uh, black parents feel like this is the only way I can protect my child by exerting authority over my child versus loving my child, teaching my child how to love, how to communicate lovingly to my child. I think you can protect your child and still and be real with your child at the same time. And it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to incorporate physical or verbal violence.
0: Yeah, I, I, I've i seen really disgusting examples, especially of like black parenting. And I'm a firm believer in you as a parent, your job, first and foremost, I mean, aside from like, actually, you know, make sure this child survives is, <laughs> is to speak love into your child. Um, and I've seen way too many examples and times in which that does not happen, and I don't think so. I don't. I really don't think people understand the long-term effects that that can have on you as an adult as you're progressing. You know, um, there have been so many times on Twitter, especially on Black Twitter, when people have been like, "Oh, your mama never cussed at you before and called you an mf or this and da da da, da and, and be this and all this stuff." I said, oh, I, no, not mine." no 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 my me and mine were never about that um but what i can say is you know like my father was always afraid to hit me because he was just you know this tall looming figure and he was really afraid and i was a very skinny child so he was afraid like like putting hands on me he would like break something my mother though Mommy, I love you. If you're listening, uh, Daddy, I love you too. Uh, but um, my mother, though, me and my mother are basically the same size right now. Like she's a a short little woman. <laughs> um, and my mother used to be on some, especially when I was in high school. Like basically on some, you know, I will fight you like you're a stranger, and or and I'm like, listen, I'll fight you back like you're a stranger. sis. like if that's how if that's how you want to do it, let's go. Uh, you know, and there have been me and my mom have an amazing relationship. She is my best friend in this world. I love her to death, Um, but you know, we definitely had had instances, especially when I was in high school, where as a matter of fact, I I lost one of my teeth because my mother threw something at my face. You know, Um, I have like a physical scar (laughs) because of a physical fight that my mother and I had. Um, But you know, what's so funny is even when you talk about the verbal thing, um, and I said I wasn't gonna talk about this only because my dad is in the hospital right now. He's and hopefully he'll be fine. He has surgery tomorrow. Um, you know, and praying that all goes well. And but you know, I I think he'd appreciate me like telling this part of the story. Um, when I was in high school, around seventeen, my mother, because she was nosy, read my diary. Now. Yes, <laughs> she's she's always been nosy, it's fine, it's fine. Um, so she read my diary and found out that I uh, was no longer a virgin. And so that was a big point of contention in the household for a smooth like week, week and a half. And my dad, um, you know, and I understand now that he was, this was not coming from a place of like him being in his right loving daddy mind. Uh, But, you know, he passed a remark that essentially was like, if I knew then what I know now, I would have just told your mother to abort you. Now, what the F, right? Uh, And that is something that my dad, if I've brought it up to him, I think like twice, he doesn't remember ever saying it Mm -hmm. at all. And for me, I can tell you what time it was, where he was standing in the doorway, what I was wearing, I can tell you the tone of voice that he used. I can tell you everything about that moment because it's cemented in my head. And it took so long for therapy to actually like talk about that. The first time where I ever told that story, I caught like a lump in my throat. Like my throat chakra was jacked up because I was still <laughs> holding on to that, you know, and but it was one of those things where I was like, my dad, I i can't hold that one moment against my father, you know what I mean? Because my daddy has been everything to me from from start to finish, you know? And so, I no, I can't hold that one thing against him. However, what I can do is always remember it. I'll never forget it. And what I can do is try and make sure that myself, if and or when I ever become a parent, that I never have my child feel the way that I felt in that moment, which I felt like my dad hated me for doing something so natural. Screwing is not a reason to tell your child something so hateful and harmful. Um, you know, and it's it's one of those things where I I I'm I'm grateful for the experience of that though, because all that taught me was to be a person and, and be a parent who I pray, you know, God willing if I had children, first and foremost, I'm not going to sit here and shame my kids about sex. For what? It it's how you got here. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to talk to you crazy. I'm not going to sit here and cuss at you and tell you these things and and have you even for a moment questioned whether or not if you are loved by me who birthed you, who brought you into this world. Absolutely not. So Yes, this has been a a little bit of a heavy combo mommy daddy please don't be mad that I'm out here telling our business I love you so much but it's for the growth of other people let's just embrace and enjoy. <laughs> uh, but you know I think at the end of the day. We have to acknowledge that spanking has been proven repeatedly as something that is counterproductive and can actually cause. A lot more harm than good and when we say spanking we're not just talking about like the physical aspects y'all please let's keep in mind of the verbal aspects too like abuse is abuse is abuse if you want to make sure that your kids are feeling the love always approach them in love and remember that kids are smart sometimes they're smart asses but (laughs) they aren't adults and they don't comprehend things they don't You know, express things and they don't behave in the same manner that we expect an adult to. So before you spank, whoop, beat, cuss out your child, just consider an alternative method.
1: We want to remind our listeners to please support your local Black businesses and donate to your local organizations and religious institutions. The Black business that we'll highlight this week is First Dibs. First Dibs, established in 2001, is an online flea market that brings together many of the best sellers and makers in vintage, antique, and contemporary furniture, home decor, fine jewelry, watches, art, and fashion from more than 600 cities around the globe. Check out their products at www.firstdibs.com. That's 1stdibs.com.
0: Thank you for listening to Dear Culture. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts and share it with everyone you know. I mean it. Share it with everyone. Everybody. All of them. (laughs)
1: Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to podcast at thegrio.com. The Dear Culture Podcast is brought to you by The Grio, executive produced by Blue Toulouse, and co produced by Taji Sr., Sundis Hassan, Brenda Alexander, and Antonio Thompson.